This podcast is brought to you by People's Light, a cultural and civic center celebrating its 49th season. For more information about People's Light, visit www.peopleslight.org. I keep it hot in the hood. You can find me in the hood. Yeah, you know I keep it hood because we platinum in the hood. I keep it hot in the hood. You can find me in the hood. Yeah, you know I keep it hood because we platinum in the hood. I keep it hot in the hood. Welcome, brothers. Welcome. And welcome you all to the Boneyard Podcast. This is a limited series roundtable discussion with the cast of Bones. It's a gripping social horror by acclaimed writer, director, and associate artistic director of People's Light, Steve H. Broadnax III. Uh, It's running here at People's Light from September 22nd to October 15th. You can get your tickets online. In Bones, the night takes a chilling turn. Over a game of dominoes, as childhood demons are exposed and a group of friends question everything they think they know about masculinity and what makes a man. And in this podcast series, we are going to be discussing some of the most important themes um, of the show and how they relate to our personal lives. The idea for this kind of came out of our rich discussions in the room under Steve's tutelage and the development process, and we wanted to extend that conversation out to the community. Um, and we are in luck today because Steve is joining us for the very first episode. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. All right, so uh, without further ado, let's get started with a round of introductions. My name is Keith Wallace. I play Trey. I'm John. I play PJ. I'm Eric B. Robinson Jr. I play Romello. Hey, I'm Elijah, a.k.a. Juilliard Jones, uh, and I play Derek. So uh, every episode, what we're going to do is we're going to take our lead from a line in the play and then dive into a sort of a deeper discussion about its meaning to each of us here and, uh, and how it applies in our personal lives. So the line from the play this week is, because if you ain't tough, you ain't a man. Mm. So we're gonna Ooh. so we're gonna discuss powerful, powerful deep powerful. bars, <laughs> bars actually. Mm. Um, so we're gonna discuss um, our individual de- definitions of manhood and what masculinity means to each of us, and then we'll also, um, if we have time, dive into a conversation around the concept of vulnerability, what our understanding of vulnerability is, and how that concept shows up in our daily lives. Yeah. All right. Mm. So um, so yeah. So let's so let's get it started. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a man? And who taught you? For me, it was my father, you know, taking care of your responsibilities, being a provider, being a protector. He hammered these ideals into me as a kid. Uh, I know one thing that he definitely didn't let me do, which is what I I really still feel weird about, is um, being asleep. You know what I'm saying? Taking naps. I I can't do that. You know, if my lady comes in and I'm in the bed, I hurry up and get out the bed. I'm doing something. I'm doing something. I'm going. You know, so mm-hmm. it's always this thing where you're always moving, you're always grinding, you're never stopping. Man, a man as a doer, yeah, doing something mm-hmm. active in motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, nobody ever like sat me down and taught me, you know, what it is to be a man. I feel like I just kind of learned through observation. So, like watching my father, uh, watching my grandfather, watching men on on. TV, who I looked up to, you know, and so, yeah, when I, when I was thinking about, like, what it means to be a man, I think it, it did, for me, boil down to just what Eric said, you know, taking care of your responsibilities, which then I was like, I feel like that's really just being an adult in, in yeah. general, but, but more specifically, you know, like, 
like you said, I mean, being a provider, being a protector. Yeah, but 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 I never, I, nobody ever was like, yo, this is, this is what it means to be a man. Which is why I think in my my idea of of being a man has kind of evolved. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, mm -hmm. because it's like I was just w observing, and I was like, okay. So, you know, yeah, 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 you take care of responsibilities, you take care of your, of your family, you put your family first. But then I was also observing, like, some things that maybe weren't super helpful, just in terms of, like, you know, suppressing your feeling. You know, you don't uh, cry or you don't, uh, you don't really express emotion at all outside of, you know, uh, either you, like, stoic or you, like, are angry. And, and it took a while for me to, like evolved that definition and I feel like that you know that that came as I got older and I realized that just through my own experience that that really wasn't sustainable mm. but yeah it um it, it nobody like I said nobody ever ever sat me down it was just kind of a thing I had to learn through observation and through experience yeah. to me manhood is um responsibility is a thing that came up but accountability for me mm. it's like who or what are you accountable to um self being the first your own litmus test and then who do you show up for in the world and how do you show up in the world? To me, that, that that's a definition of a man, responsibility, taking care of responsibilities. That looks different for everybody. But it's, uh, it's first having a command over self. And then how does that man, that self, show up in the lives of other people? How do you contribute to your sort of ecosystem, your internal community, and how you show up in the world? And I did not grow up with my dad in the house, so I sort of, you know, it was a sort of opposite to what you was. I was like, oh, I took my cues from what wasn't happening. <laughs> it was like, okay, now how do I want to shape my manhood in the world? How do I want to shape how I show up in the world? I see this didn't happen and it had this effect on me. Hmm, I don't want people to have that feeling or that experience associated with me. So let me do perhaps the opposite. Mm. And that's how I shaped my sort of definition. I think that uh, my definition echoes a lot of you all's. But one of the things that comes to mind is service. My dad, my last name is Stewart. And my dad would always be mm. like, stewards need to be good stewards. Oh, wow. mm. You need to be a steward. And I didn't even know what that word meant. As a kid growing up, he just would throw it around all the time. But it's something about it's just service and serving family, serving community, serving the world, but service. And I think that links to what you all are saying. But I think that one of the things that I didn't realize, to your point, Elijah, was about how does a man take care of himself as he serves so that he can continue to serve without sacrificing all of these pieces of himself? Because there's like, there's this kind of ideal or this altar of manhood that I felt like I sacrificed just chunks of myself at over the years. And I was doing that and still continue to in some ways, but so much of it has been like now about like going back to that altar, like reclaiming these pieces that the archetypal man just parts of me that just didn't fit into it mm -hmm. and now it's like going back and trying to reclaim those things and try to have a more whole version of what it looks like to be a man in the world for me it's a it's a evolving it's, a, it's an evolving definition and i think that's okay i like to remain curious so that i can keep on i just don't want to be fixed for me I was raised by my grandmother. It's interesting that you said, because I think you don't necessarily have to be someone never sat down and told me, but through observation, you can learn by what either is not there or by others' behavior. But I was definitely, I'm a 
old country person from the South, Arkansas. Definitely told a man, cut the grass. <laughs> so I had to cut the grass. You said provide. Definitely I was taught a man should take care of himself. You weren't a man if you didn't take care of yourself. You're not you're not responsible, um, financially stable, is what I was taught a man was. Also taught a man was masculine. A man had to be able to defend and fight himself. I was forced to fight, you know, only forced to fight, first forced to learn how to fight, to be able to defend myself and others. A man does not cry. Isn't it weird? There's a lot of what men don't do, but what do men do? You know what I mean? Men don't show emotion. I was taught that as well. And then when I grew up and as an adult and kind of finding my own way through masculinity and manhood, kind of defining that for myself and in that definition i love that you said it's not fixed it's still moving i think a man is kind i think a man is has integrity i think a man is honest a man a person of his word Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i think that those are qualities of manhood that i have adopted for myself that i hold my own self accountable for like you said but yeah those are things that i've learned about masculinity and manhood yeah Thanks. I want I want to transition to um, to sort of conversation around vulnerability, but before I want to really quickly just like one sentence from everybody, if you can encapsulate in one sentence, what didn't they tell you that you wish they had told you? Whoever, whatever that, wherever you learned that thing about manhood or what it is to be a man, what what weren't you told or taught that you wish now as the man you are today? You wish looking back like, damn, I wish they had told me that. It's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. You can be soft. When things calcify, they become brittle. Mm. I think for me, you don't always have to have it always figured out, but the, the manhood is in the commitment to trying to figure it out. It's in the doing. I think that you don't have to have the answers. You don't have to, you don't have to have, yeah, you don't have to have the answers. Most of us don't have the answers a lot of people are learning and growing and yeah i wish some dudes would have just told me they didn't know as opposed to being like acting like they did Hmm. and telling me what they what someone else told them as opposed to saying they didn't know Mm -hmm. i mean that you're going to make mistakes and it's okay to make a mistake you're going to in this journey you're going to fuck up. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Mm. You, you expect it. And that's where the growth is going to come. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Don't put a value on mistakes. Mm-hmm. You're going to make them. And it's okay to make mistakes. I wish I was encouraged to make big mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish that was what I was told. Raise your hand if you're a fuck up. Hey! Two hands. Two, <laughs> two hands. Put the fuck up in the middle. Um, all right, so um, let's talk about vulnerability. Mm. Um, that's a loaded word, obviously. But uh, what does vulnerability mean, and uh, what prohibits us, um, if anything, keeps us from being vulnerable? What discourages us from being vulnerable? Ridicule. Mm-hmm. Ridicule. And it's, it's sad to say, but what others will think about you in vulnerable places can stop you or me, I speak to myself, from being vulnerable, especially when I was younger, and feeling the weakness of that. Because it's, it's, it, vulnerability is about exposure. It, it's just in a place when you're vulnerable, leaves you vulnerable, which can feel weak. So, yeah. Yeah, I think trust, 
trusting someone to be vulnerable. But, you know, it's interesting because I think about these people who make millions of dollars, you know, New York Times bestselling authors being vulnerable Mm -hmm. in a book. But is that vulnerability to sell millions of copies or is it to make connection with other people? You know, is there a difference? What do y'all think about that? About about capitalism and vulnerability? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The commodification of vulnerability. <laughs> of vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think there is a double-edged sword, right? Because a lot of the, especially these self-help, pop psychology stuff, that people people are looking for something. People are looking to be, for guides. They're looking to be fixed. They're looking to fix things. And there are some people who have um, wisdom or experience that they can share with other people that, um, that other people can benefit from. But the thing that perhaps makes the person the best-selling author on the New York Times is because there is a nugget of that truth or vulnerability that's in there. No matter how you spin it, no matter how you market it, it's something that people latch onto. Even if it's the audacity of a person to say, I fucked up in a public space and say, this was my experience with it. Even if you ain't had their experience or you ain't really rocking what they're saying, the fact that somebody stood up and said, yeah, I fucked up like that. You yeah. you find some sense of like, yeah, yeah, me too. Let me go ahead and buy that on uh, Kindle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and, and I think that just speaks to, like the fact that they're able to make millions of dollars off of it speaks to uh, a larger issue in in the society of where 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 you can't be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but we all have a desire to, to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, uh, for, for, for me, vulnerability is allowing things to not I mean not not only affect me because like I like things are gonna affect me whether I want them to or not but but it's an acknowledgement of the fact that that they are affecting me mm-hmm. right and, and a lot of times we are trained to not acknowledge to That's just continue to, to push through the thing as if it didn't happen even though it did and at a certain point you know it builds up it builds up it builds up and it's going to spill out one way or the other. Um, and I just wish that we lived in a space or in a society, and so I'm so thankful for a space like this where we can come and acknowledge the things that are affecting us, whether whether that we want them to or not, because we're human. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and yeah, so that's how, I, that's how I feel like people are able to make those millions of dollars because there aren't many spaces where we are allowed to make mistakes, where we are allowed to feel whatever it is we feel without ridicule, without judgment. But we need those spaces. Like That's truly the only way that we can survive because those things eat away at us. So, yeah. On that, I want to piggyback on that. So, and this is a big question. I understand it's a big question, but <laughs> but the response has got to be yeah. airtight. We got, <laughs> but but no pressure. If and this and this, if you feel like sharing, because no, thank you, <laughs> it's a valid response. But when was the last time you recall or can remember when you allowed yourself to feel truly vulnerable? Oh, that's weird. To me, I say, I feel like I do it every day. Not mm. to be funny, but yeah. I just, I, the kind of person that I He's am. He's so evolved, y'all. You know, <laughs> not evolved, <laughs> but, it out. No, but it is, it's so weird. The type of person that I am, I think I've always kind of wore my heart on my sleeve and I'm able to tell how I felt, mm. but it has been a liability for me like i that has never been something that until i got an adult that became understood it was my weapon that actually it was a good thing but i always went through life thinking hey don't cry don't tell people how you feel my grandma you talk you tell people too much stuff you and i'm always just kind of exposing but it was always taught to me as a bad thing that you don't tell people your business you don't tell people how you feel there's no room for that that's weak 
So you be telling everybody. Your Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes. I know for me, uh, man, I was going through a situation and I was in prayer on my knees. Come on, prayer. And I was just bawling, just crying. And I was doing it in front of my partner. Mm. And that's usually a space where it's, it's really, you know, personal to me. But it, it goes back to, you know, real men don't cry. And I was crying like a baby before his daddy. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And that moment right there, I think it brought us closer. I hope, you know, because mm. she might in the back of her head be like, mm. <laughs> crying like a little bitch. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was one of the most, uh, that and my children, which is a little easier to be vulnerable for them with them because they don't know. And you have boys. Yeah, uh-huh. mm. they don't really know. They're not really ridiculing or, you know, trying to figure out, you know, mm. oh, or saying like, oh, they're, you know, making judgments. They're not ridiculing, but they're taking cues. Yeah, yeah. Taking so cues. the fact that, that you exactly. did that is like, and the fact that you have that space and creating that space for them to the, to, the, to your point from earlier, Elijah, is, is a beautiful thing. Um, wow, wish we had more time. We could go on forever. Riveting. But we're Riveting. all right. <laughs> we're all right books. And buy them, we'll be New millionaires. Times bestsellers. Keep an eye out. Yeah. Um, one, two, three, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Oh, my God. Thank you for your vulnerability. Mm. But uh, let's go ahead and turn the party up a little. A turn up? Shift, shift the space, you know, raise the vibration, if you will, a okay. little bit, you know, because it's always nice to have a little black boy joy in the space anytime we in a space together. Yeah. We got to mix the, you know what I'm saying, the highs with the lows. Not that there was a low. But uh, let's go ahead and play a game. I think Eric got, got something for us. All right, it? community. All right, so this game is going to be called I Plead the Fit. Okay. All right, and we're just going to just have five questions we're going to okay. ask everyone. You can either answer it or you can plead the fifth one time. Gotcha. Okay, rap so everyone's going to... Yes. Boom, boom. Exactly. Don't, think, don't about think about it, just give your answer. It. Okay, so here's the thing. So we're, we're yeah, going to infuse some technology in here. We're going to use chat GPT chat to generate GPT. some questions mm -hmm. uh, to ask men about masculinity starting... Alright, Keith. Yeah. Do you think the media portrays masculinity accurately? No, absolutely not. I think it's one sided and I think it's antiquated. The definition or idea of masculinity as it's portrayed in the media. John, do you think the media portrays masculinity accurately? No. Steve? No. Uh no. <laughs> Hell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here goes another one. Keith, do you believe there are negative stereotypes associated with masculinity? Yes. Give me one. Negative stereotypes associated with masculinity. You can't show emotion. Mm -hmm. John? Are there? Yes. Or definitely. One of them is that the most valued emotion is anger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For me, yes, there are negative stereotypes. And I think in the media, right? Yes. And I think a lot of times that men are hoes. You a hoe. Ah. They out here conquering women Where's and the lie? as many people, women that you can get mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. what being a man is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I think one of the uh, stereotypes is yeah, propping up that anger, that violence. Your value is based on how violent you are, how strong you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, y'all are hit on the head, man. I was mm -hmm. gonna say, you know, this is just a stereotype of this overly aggressive man is what is what masculinity is. It's just so uh, toxic. So deadly, mm -hmm. um, you know. So yeah. Okay, well, let me start on this side. Yeah. Okay, Elijah. You gonna say the hard one for yeah. me? Oh no, 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 no
right. How do you think masculinity needs to be redefined for future generations? See, everybody got to <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Uh, I think that it needs to be redefined as something soft, man. I, I have a nephew now um, mm. who's, who's two years old, and I think about this all the time. And, like, that, that little boy is so happy, so joyous, and I just want more of that for this next generation. You know, I grew up, I felt like I always had, had this mean mug on, and mm. you really don't, man. You can smile, bro. Smile. Mm. Damn. Mm-hmm. Hit me with the question one more time. Uh, how do you think masculinity could should be redefined for future generations? Um, I think it should be dismantled completely and mm-hmm. rebuilt from the ground up mm-hmm. of being your authentic self, whatever that is, mm-hmm. that there's no kind of guardrails around it. Mm-hmm. It is masculinity and what being a man is just needs to be dismantled and reconstructed. Mm-hmm. John? I agree with what y'all have said. I think that the language of masculinity and what that means and what that represents. If we could just take all of that away and just boil it down to just being human. Mm-hmm. If there was a way to just take man and just put the who on in front of that every time, then there'd be a way to, and if that could be taught, like what does it look like to be a whole human? Mm-hmm. What does it look like to walk into a space and bring all of you into it as opposed to leaving parts of you here, there, and everywhere? If there was a way to do that, then I think that we'd be much better off. I think about my nephew mm-hmm. and a moment where he lost his great granddad and this look on his face when I went into his room and he was like he had the meme mug he had the mm-hmm. meme mug he had this like stoic thing going on it was the first time I saw it in a boy like a little kid mm-hmm. and I was just like you don't have to do that man yeah. you can acknowledge that this thing is happening and there was this this like I was just like man at what point do we choose or are taught that we just can't be human it doesn't have to be that complex, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, the way it should be dismantled. Finding, returning to the joy and uh, making space to say, I'm scared, I don't know, and I'm hurting. I think we got to... Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah that okay, was okay, a okay, great cool. note to end on. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, listen, we're going to be doing this for couple episodes so we're going to have a chance to dive into some more stuff and uh and really sort of unpack these sort of difficult situations it's a short amount of time it's big big heavy concepts in a short amount of time but to your point earlier elijah about creating the space for men to be able to engage in this way is important and we're hoping that you guys continue the conversation in the comments if you enjoyed what you heard today keep an eye out on people's like social media youtube channel website for the next episode and if you want to help us continue this conversation and are feeling generous dig in your pocketbook and make a donation at peopleslight.org forward slash support follow these gentlemen on social media Um, all the information will be below in the comments as well and we look forward to seeing you next time make sure you get your tickets for bones running at people's light september the 22nd october 15th peoplesLight.org. thank you